This is an Equity Bates Media podcast. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Before we get into today's episode, we would like to acknowledge and pay respect to the Wandjuri people of the Kulin Nation, who are the traditional owners of this land. We pay our deepest respect to their elders, past and present, and to the next generation who we hope to create a different future for. The best career advice that you are not getting is to invest. Hello and welcome to You're In Good Company, a podcast that makes investing accessible for everyone. I'm Maddie and as always, I'm in some, oh my God, my voice. (laughs) He sound exactly the same today. I'm in some very good company with my co-host, Sore Throat Sophie. Uh, Hi, Maddie. I'm sorry. My voice isn't actually sore. It's just gone. It is just absolutely gone. So I'm going to try my absolute hardest today, but you're kind of going to get the husky, strained Sophie. (laughs) Coming up on today's episode, we are breaking down everything you need to know about the recent announcement regarding rising interest rates. Yes, breaking it all down because I know it's confusing and it has an impact on the stock market. But before we do, I have another joke for you. Here we go. (laughs) Why are nudists bad for the stock market? I have no idea why. They are associated with bear markets. (laughs) (laughs) Oh gosh, that's terrible. (laughs) I actually thought this one was good. (laughs) I mean, I get it. That's a plus. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, well, I guess if the joke's a flop, maybe we should just get into the content then. Can you give us a rundown of what has been announced in terms of interest rates in Australia? Yes. So Australia's CPI has risen to 5.1% in the March quarter, which is an even higher jump than the 4.6% that analysts were expecting. In response, two Tuesdays ago, the RBA came out and announced an increase of interest rates from 0.1% to 0.35%. So all of these terms we can read about in the paper, but it just is a whole bunch of jargon. So I think we should break it down so that we can kind of understand the conversation a little bit more. Firstly, what is CPI? Yes. So CPI is short for Consumer Price Index, and it's the measure of the average price of products consumed by households. So I guess it's like if I go to the supermarket and do my weekly grocery shop, I buy my coffee, my bread, my fruit, ice cream, wine, (laughs) and CPI measures the average price of the goods that I pay for at the checkout. And so it sounds very similar to what inflation is, like measuring a basket of goods. Exactly. It's often actually used to measure inflation by tracking the change in the price of my shopping trip over time. So if CPI is increasing, so aka all of my grocery sitting in my shopping basket is going up, that is a sign that inflation is rising. Is it only just, you know, my basket of shopping goods or are there also other goods and services that are going up? So inflation is a broader term than CPI. So it refers to just the general increase in prices and therefore 
the implication of that is actually a fall in the purchasing value of your money. I guess it's quite useful to acknowledge that the media often uses the term CPI and inflation interchangeably. But I want to touch on what I just said about the fall in the purchasing value of money, because I feel like that can be quite a good concept for us to get our head around. Can you think of an example for this one? I think the best one that I think about it with, and I was telling my little sister about this to try and explain it as well, but like, do you ever have your grandparents telling you that like when they were your age, a (laughs) loaf of bread was 20 cents and they're like, why do you spend $5.50 on an oat latte? I know. I think in my mind, my example of inflation is I used to go to the 7-Eleven and be able to buy a Magnum for $3. And $3 was like the most expensive ice cream. And now you would pay $3 for like a paddle pop. (laughs) Wow, that is a good one. Well, I feel like they're both prime examples of inflation. It just reflects that over time prices go up and the value of our money goes down. So if the 20 cents used to buy our grandparents a loaf of bread, that 20 cents no longer kind of has the same value because over time inflation does I guess, rise and then our our purchasing power does go down. I guess it's just important to note that inflation isn't necessarily a bad thing. I think often it's associated in the media with like a lot of, you know, it's rising interest rates and it's going to make it hard for the consumer. Steady inflation is actually a really good indicator of economic growth. But I think the key word there is steady. So the RBA has a target. The Reserve Bank of Australia has a target of inflation sitting between 2 to 3%. Like we mentioned before, inflation this quarter is up at 5.1%. So does not fit within the realm of steady. It's a little bit too high, um, which is why there's been a lot of sort of media attention on this one. You know, I was just thinking another example that's <laughs> affecting me personally. Yep. I get a Diet Coke sometimes at lunch from the IGA and it's no longer $2.50, it's $3. It's inflation. It's getting you. <laughs> so I think it's kind of important to touch on why inflation does rise, I guess, outside of that realm of the 2 to 3%. So maybe we should kind of go through some of the main ways that that happens Okay, so I have a bit of a challenge. I'm going to go through, you know, three of the main reasons that inflation does rise with a little bit of an example. And then I want you to respond with how that's actually happening in the real world at the moment. Okay. Which the reason why I'm giving you this challenge is because honest to God, I ask you questions about inflation (laughs) all the time and I feel like you're just this thing of knowledge and you know all about it. (laughs) You've been digesting so much. So this is on you. All right. You might be about to make me look very bad, but let's have a go. (laughs) Okay, so the first reason inflation can rise is because of supply and demand. So when there's low supply of something, prices tend to go up because it's in high demand. And we see that in the stock market with shares and we can see it in the real world with our goods. So an example is, you know, if there's less sugar farmers out there in the fields, doing their normal jobs because there's less backpackers around or international workers with borders closing. As a result, there is reduced sugar supply and therefore farmers raise their prices because they know that there's demand for their product. So why is supply and demand affecting inflation at the moment? Okay, so the main reason is the pandemic. So during the pandemic, during COVID lockdowns, the government pumped lots of money into the economy through stimulus like JobKeeper, and it was used to counter the effects of lockdown. 
But because of this, the average amount of savings per household has increased. So people have more money in their pockets. And now that we're out of lockdown, we have been on a bit of a spending spree. So whether it be from cafes and restaurants to clothes and footwear, all of this has led to increased demand. But then on the other side, we've got supply chain issues. So whether it be workers not being able to come to work in the cafes and restaurants or shops because they're at home with COVID, or whether it be having trouble getting food into the supermarkets, we've got this clash between increased demand and not enough supply. And as a result, prices have gone up. And you've mentioned there, obviously, like restaurants, cafes, but we're also seeing things like petrol prices. And you said as well, food getting to the supermarkets. What are the reasons behind that? Yes, petrol prices have been a real sore point over the last couple of months. And that really comes down to the Russian invasion of Ukraine, which has been causing oil prices to surge. So Russia is actually the world's third largest producer of oil and the second largest producer of gas. So when countries all of a sudden are not wanting to import uh, those resources from Russia and they're looking to other um, sources, there is less supply if we take out all of Russia, meaning that the cost of oil and gas goes up. The other one that I think is really interesting, and this comes back to food, is Ukraine is actually one of the world's largest producers of wheat. Wheat is in lots of different foods. I'm just going to leave it there. I don't know which ones. (laughs) It's in lots of different foods. And they're not able, given their current situation, to be farming and to be exporting. You know, all of their ports are cut off. So that has had a really big flow on effect as well. So then the second reason for inflation is more around the cost side rather than supply and demand. So when production costs increase, or supply costs increase, the sale price will tend to increase because it'll pass on to the consumers. So an example, back to my lovely example of sugar farmers, the cost of sugar has gone up, as we mentioned, because of the demand pool. But now Coca-Cola, who needs to buy a lot of sugar to make their product, their purchase of their key ingredient goes way up. So to ensure that Coca-Cola keeps making a profit, they'll increase the price of their bottles and cans. Hence me saying my Coca-Cola is now more expensive. So what's the reason behind these cost increases? Yeah, so I think this one really comes down to supply chain disruptions. And these have have occurred globally because of COVID. So we've seen ports and airports close. There have been less employees available to manufacture products, less workers in warehouses, and all of these have led to less supply. So all of these delays have increased the cost of production, which inevitably will need to be passed on to consumers. A really good example of this is continued lockdowns that we are seeing in Shanghai at the moment. It's a huge export hub, particularly for electronics and biomedicine. So the fact that we are still seeing lockdowns in this region means that the costs for production, I mean, if it's even possible, are sky high. So as a result, that's being passed on to consumers. And I think it's so interesting. I don't know if you saw the image that um, was circulating the World Wide Web. I don't know why I just said that. But anyway, the WWW dot, but of all the ships that are just sitting outside on the borders. Is that what WWW stands for? Oh, my God, Maddie. (laughs) World Wide Web. Yes. Sorry, I refuse (laughs) to believe that I'm the only person listening to this that did not know that. Wow. Okay. We're going to come back to that. Could please continue? 
<laughs> Please continue your activities. Um, no, yes, I don't even know what I was talking about now. But no, yeah, the ships. Sorry, you just blew my mind. The um, the photo of all the ships that are sitting around the borders of like China, because yes. they can't. They're just sitting there and they're waiting to either give product or take it away, and it's just created this crazy cumulative effect and because there is no supply everything has become more expensive we'll find that image and we'll put it on our instagram the final reason for rising inflation is because prices are increasing as a result of costs increasing workplaces also need to go then and increase their salaries and wages and workplaces i guess are reacting to the fact that we are going to have to pay more for our goods so they need a kind of i guess like look after us is the best way of like putting it and this isn't just on you know the your workplace it's also on the government the government does turn around and we've got an election going on at the moment and a lot of their discussion is around how much should you increase a wage by and should it be you know mandatory to a certain extent because costs are increasing so much so back to our example the everyday consumer is now paying three dollars for their can of coke and not the 250 <laughs> and so i'll go to my workplace and be like guys i've just gone to iga i'm paying way for for my coca-cola i need a pay rise which i have said to my boss already <laughs> i was gonna say i've actually been joking with my boss i'm like cpi is 5.1 percent <laughs> no, come on <laughs> it's like a joke but it's definitely not a joke <laughs> So I guess all of the reasons you've already spoken about, Mads, do lead to ahead of this, but is there anything else that kind of leads to the, you know, workplace situation of us asking for more money? Yeah, well, I think, you know, the words cost of living are really everywhere at the moment. It's been a huge focus of the budget, um, the federal budget that was released recently, and it really is a result of the demand and cost issues. So you know, as prices are rising, people like you and me consider the personal impact that that's having on our lives. And I guess we want to turn to our workplaces for more money to sustain our standard of living. To be honest as well, if you're someone sitting there wanting a pay rise, there are so many good resources out there learning how to ask about one because I know that it's such a difficult thing to do. But if this situation is affecting you personally, it's one, you know, option to actually go to the workplace and say, look, the CPI is sitting here and I need to be able to maintain the standard of living. Maybe we'll link a couple. Yeah, great idea. So now that we have the basics of inflation down pat, we are going to take a quick break for our sponsors and we'll be right back after the break to break down why this is leading to an interest rates rise and how this is impacting our investing portfolios. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. So before the break, so if we spoke about how the RBA likes inflation to sit between 2 to 3% over the medium term. 
Currently, we are sitting at 5.1% and inflation is actually rising at the fastest rate since the 1980s. So what can the RBA do about it? So when there is inflationary pressure, one of the ways that, you know, a government can deal with it is use their reserve bank or their main bank. It depends on, you know, the country that you're in, but we have the Reserve Bank of Australia. And one of their reactions is to increase interest rates. So two weeks ago, our interest rates were sitting at 0.1% and it was widely expected that these rates would increase because of inflation. But most analysts were suggesting that they'd see a rise of about 0.15%. But in the, in reality, the RBA has actually increased the rates by 25 basis points, meaning they're now sitting at an interest rate of 0.35%. So I'm going to stop you there because I think you used a term that is often used in the media and that is basis points. And it's how the media often talks about interest rate increases and decreases. But All we need to know is that a basis point is one hundredth of one percentage point. So in other words, one percent is a hundred basis points. So when the RBA increases rates by 0.25%, it's 25 basis points. It's just kind of easier to understand. It sounds a bit better than saying like (laughs) 0.25% increase. It does. It's got its like own name. But Matt, 0.25% doesn't sound that Big. You know, it sounds tiny, but everyone's making such a fuss about it. So, like, why is there all the fuss about such a well, what I would consider a small rise? It might not be. So, I think the first important point to know here is that interest rates haven't actually increased since November 2010. So, it has been a long time, and this really marks sort of a shift in policy by the RBA. But the real reason behind the hype is because this is a sign of what is to come. So Westpac economists are expecting rates to rise to 1.75% by the end of the year and 2.25% by mid next year. So it's not really about the 0.25% increase now. It's about this being the start of a whole sequence of increases. And we're going to jump into like, you know, what are some of the specific stock market impacts? But I think it's also really important to note that, you know, we're kind of in our infancy of understanding like what interest rate impacts mean for us because we haven't really experienced as as adults before but people that have gone through kind of economic shocks and a a lot of older people who have seen this before understand what the impacts can be quite broadly to the economy to people's lives and so I think when little changes like this do happen there's always a lot of hype around it because it's like well last time at the end of the year this all happened and so it's kind of like applying what happened previously to the future and people just get a little bit nervous about it. That's a good point. And I'm interested to hear how are you feeling about sort of the state of the market at the moment? Obviously, I imagine your portfolio is down. I think on the market side, I've really felt it. You know, as we've mm. mentioned on the podcast a lot, I heavily invest in technology stocks and a lot of them aren't doing well at the moment. I, you know, had started to really shift my portfolio into more of a ETF portfolio and you know I'm going to stick consistently to that because I say stick to the strategy but yeah of course when you look at your stock portfolio and it's down you feel like oh my god I thought I was such a great investor but I'm not but it's not about that it's about reassessing making sure you're sticking to your strategy and I guess like not being so shocked off by it because I know that I'm a long-term investor how are you feeling yeah I mean I think I would echo everything that you said I've To be honest, I've been taking a bit of an an avoidant um, attitude. I haven't been looking at my portfolio because I just know that it will be a bit depressing. I am sticking to my strategy. I've got 
the stocks and the ETFs that I want to continue to invest in. And even though in the short term, inflation or interest rates might mean that their share prices are going to be down for a little while, but I'm really trying to keep a long-term perspective and take advantage of the fact that they are down because I know the amount of times that I've looked back to a share price in March of 2020 when everything crashed due to COVID and thought, oh, if only I invested then. So I'm trying to really take a long-term, you know, 20, 30-year approach and continue with my current strategy, but it's hard. It I'm a lot hard. less. I'm a lot less interested in investing right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's. I guess let's have a look then at some of the reasons that the stock market is down. Because I think when you understand it, it does give you a little bit more perspective, and it also helps you find where maybe you can find some opportunities. So, what's one of the main reasons that the stock market is impacted by rising interest rates? The first one that comes to mind is increased borrowing costs. So. When interest rates rise, it makes it more expensive for businesses to pay off their existing loans or to take out new ones, as they're having to pay higher interest rates on the bank to the bank on their loan. So the same thing kind of happens for us as consumers. If I have a mortgage or if I have a credit card, because I've been doing a little bit too much online shopping at the moment, then it's going to become more expensive for me to pay off my credit card. The flow on effect of that then is if I'm having to pay more money to pay off my mortgage or my credit card, my disposable income decreases. As we've already mentioned, interest rates mean that we are going to have less money. And it also is tied to the inflation part that we're paying for more for our goods. And then if consumers are spending less because we're holding on to a bit more cash, it means that companies have less profits in their businesses. And it makes, again, makes them look like a less of an attractive investment. The third one is around this idea called opportunity cost. And that is if you have $5, you can spend it here. And the opportunity cost is that you don't spend it somewhere else. So as interest rates are rising, it's becoming more attractive for me to leave my money in the bank or put my money into safer investments that are going to return just the standard interest rate rather than take the more risky position of putting my money into the stock market. I guess I would preface this by saying this is more of like a theory point because our interest rates are still well below 1% and we know that the average return on the stock market is 7, 9, 10%. So it's good to understand because I know that, you know, when our parents were young and our grandparents were living through really high interest rates, at one point interest rates got up to around 14%. So you can see at that point, why would you want to be investing in the share market and earning, you know, around 10% a year when you can literally just leave your money in the bank and earn 14%. And as much as it's opportunity cost, I think on the other hand, that is that people just get nervous. When the economic environment is really volatile, people are like, well, if I keep it in cash, I know my cash is going to be there. And it's more of a short-term perspective thing than a long-term perspective thing. So it obviously changes if you're a long-term investor. I think we should talk really quickly around some of the opportunities that could come out of this current economic environment. So what are some of the industries that stand to benefit from a rising interest rate environment? So I guess one of the industries that we've actually spoken about on one of our previous ASX episodes is the financial industry. So if you think about something like your bank, they're going to be benefiting from the fact that there's higher interest rates because if they're getting high interest paid on, say, the mortgages or the bank loans, that actually translates to more profits for them. Yes, there might be an element of higher costs for them as well. But I think in that opportunity, you think, where does this extra profit go? And it goes to the banks. Another one is consumer staples. So we think about these kind of industries. We talked about this in our ASX episode that people are going to continue buying from the supermarket 
or from telecommunications companies, regardless of the current economic environment. The same could be said for healthcare, just like consumer staples, people still need to buy their medicine and go to the doctor in both good times and bad times. I love that in our previous ASX episode, we, you know, we divulged all the industries that benefit from inflation. And I was saying that, oh, with food, I'm like, yeah, I'm such a, I'll just try and find the cheapest thing. And then Clem's like, are you joking? Like I (laughs) splurge on everything. And I'm like, okay, but what price does like your sausages become before you say I buy the good sausages? You know what I mean? If they're $25, (laughs) you still going to be like, yeah, I'm having that lamb and rosemary. Are you going to be like, look, I'm just probably going to go for the (laughs) home brand. (laughs) Don't get between that girl and her food. I have to say. The last one that I will throw into the mix is gold. And that is because gold is a share market hedge. In other words, it moves in the opposite direction to the share market. So historically, it's done well in uncertain times and in falling markets, which is sort of what we're seeing at the moment. But all of this being said, we've mentioned once, we've mentioned a hundred times, we are (laughs) long-term strategists. Is that a word? Strategists? Yeah. (laughs) And we are thinking about the future and I think with along with these times it can be so easy to be frightened off but if you have bought something with conviction at a high point during the bull run of 2020 and 2021, make sure you have that conviction even when it's low and if you don't, have a think about it, reassess, understand why you don't. It's absolutely fine if your mind changes but if you've got the conviction when it's high, have the conviction when it's low. I think one of the most important things during this time is just to equip yourself with the information. And that's really why we wanted to do today's episode. It's not necessarily to change your investing strategy completely in order to benefit from higher interest rates or anything like that, but it's more just to understand these are the reasons why my portfolio is down at the moment. These are the things that are impacting it. And I think that can make you feel a lot more secure and calm in times of volatility. So on that, you said that it's really good to be informed and I know that you have been keeping so up to date with this stuff. Do you have any further recommended resources that you would give a shout out to? Yes, I listened to a great episode on interest rates. Uh, It's the Please Explain podcast by The Age and Sydney Morning Herald and the title of the episode was Why Are Interest Rates Going Up? They really just broke down the whole process I guess kind of similar to what we did today, but probably with a little bit more focus on the interest rates themselves. I think it gives some really good background. What about you? I will recommend the journal podcast. They did an episode which was called Can the Fed Lower Inflation Without Causing a Recession? (laughs) Um, They kind of stepped through it all. Really interesting. I also read a really interesting AFR article, which I'll link in our Facebook group about how you can think about your portfolio during times like this. And it talks about strategies about hedging against inflation at times like this. It's definitely not financial advice, but I think it did give you, it gives you a nice perspective of, I guess, things you can do. Yeah, to help diversify your portfolio. Well, I think we have spoken enough about inflation and interest rates for one day. But if you do have any questions about today's episode or anything that you feel we didn't quite cover, we really would love to hear it. So please jump into our Facebook group, YIGC Investing Podcast Discussion Group. We'll also be making surely some little graphs and pictures and whatever <laughs> else to give you some explainers for this stuff because I know it's hard to digest with you when you're only hearing it, but we will put that on our Instagram at YIGC Podcast. We are very excited for those who have managed to get tickets to our live event. It is in two weeks and we're going to be chatting all things sustainable investing. So if you did grab a ticket, we cannot wait to meet you. 
And in the meantime, if you have anything in particular that you would like covered in the session at the beautiful Prince Hotel in Melbourne, please reach out and let us know your questions. Until next week. We'll catch you then. Bye. You're in Good Company is a product of Equity Mates Media. All information in this podcast is for educational and entertainment purposes only. It is not intended as a substitute for professional finance, legal or tax advice. The hosts of You're in Good Company are not financial professionals and are not aware of your personal financial circumstances. Before making any financial decisions, you should read the product disclosure statement and, if necessary, consult a licensed financial professional. Do not take financial advice from a podcast. For more information, head to the disclaimer page on the Equitymates website where you can find ASIC resources and find a registered financial professional near you. In the spirit of reconciliation, Equitymates Media and the hosts of Your In Good Company acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people today. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program. The secret to visibly firmer, summer-ready skin is here. Osea's number one best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil. Clinically proven to instantly improve skin elasticity and transform dull, dry skin to silky, soft, and unbelievably glowing. Rich yet never greasy, Andaria Algae Body Oil is formulated with sustainably sourced seaweed to help replenish the skin's moisture barrier and seven nourishing active botanical oils for results you can see and feel all over. The best part? It's signature scent. A blend of freshly squeezed grapefruit, cypress, and mango mandarin transports you to sun-kissed summer days. This all-natural scent is unforgettable. Everything Osea makes is clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Get healthy, glowing skin for summer with clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A-Malibu.com code GLOW.